0: Inside Property Investing, episode 164. Welcome to the Inside Property Investing Podcast, where we dive inside the stories of the most successful and inspiring property entrepreneurs to share their successes, failures, and strategies and help you plan your path towards financial freedom. Now, let's get started with your host, Mike Stenhouse. Do you want to spend your time building a portfolio or building furniture? Fusion Furniture Solutions offer a complete nationwide service for investors and developers. With no minimum order size, three-year guarantees, and free installation, leave the furniture building to the experts at fusionfurnituresolutions.co.uk. Hey Property Insiders, Mike Stenhouse here, and today I am thrilled to be welcoming back for the third and final time of this series anyway, Anthony Hubbard. Anthony, welcome back to the show and thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Mike. Good to be back. So as you will all no doubt be aware, Anthony has been part of our goal series throughout 2016, where we have been following his progress from January of last year, where he told us all about his goals for the following 12 months. We caught up with him halfway through the year to find out the progress that he had made so far. And today, we are going to wrap it all up and put a nice little bow on it to find out exactly what he has been able to achieve in those 12 months and some of the lessons that he has learned as well. Now, because he's been on the show two previous times in the past 12 months, I'm not going to ask him to introduce himself again. He has already done that in episodes 112 and 130. So if you want some background, if you haven't listened to those two interviews, I strongly recommend you go back and listen to them because Anthony is doing some great things, very down-to-earth guy and I think in those two previous episodes as I'm sure he will do again today he has shared some good sound fundamental advice when it comes to property investing. So Anthony like I say I'm not going to ask you to introduce yourself but by way of starting us off maybe you can share a little bit about what your goals were back at start 2016 if you can remember so far back.
1: Yeah it's uh, it seems a long time ago now and um, well i, I... I was looking more long-term initially, sort of, uh, I had a three-year plan where I was wanting to uh, get to a stage where I had a portfolio income of around eight grand a month, Um, and I sort of broke that down to get to that, for this first year I'd need to uh, earn earn around 140k, and I was also looking to secure a building plot to build uh, our own family home on, Um, so that was my goals at the start of the year. Okay. So fairly, fairly straightforward. It was basically financial. It's the stage that you wanted to
0: get to, to give your family. I think we spoke about it back in the, the first episode, what we define as absolute financial freedom. That was kind of the number that you needed to live the life that, that you wanted to, to give your wife and your family the everything that they wanted, really the holidays that you want, the time off work. You said the big house that you wanted to build yourself. That was really the kind of ultimate goal. And you thought that you could get there. Within three years, in a fairly modest time frame, it wasn't going to kill you to get there, which was nice to hear. You know, realistic goals, realistic time frame. And uh, I guess what we're do- here to do today is to see after 12 months how we are progressing towards that. Now, have your goals changed at all throughout the year, or is that still your main focus? Is that £8,000 a month still where you want to be? I guess it's going to be two years from now.
1: It is ideally, yes. Um, my sort of mind and everyday thinking's drifted away from it slightly, but that is still the ultimate goal. It would be nice to sort of have that a bit of financial freedom, sort of knowing the day-to-day bills are covered. Um, but also adding to that, as I've sort of progressed throughout the year, I've started adding a sort of additional goals um, that I would like to achieve, uh, which are probably going to go outside of the two years that's left on this three years, uh, which one of those is sort of building up a, a portfolio of uh, more social housing type properties, uh, affordable homes, that type of thing. Um, it's something that I've spoke to with one of your past guests a number of times, Richard Little. He's got a similar sort of passion to do a similar thing. Um and it's just as the year been going on and I've seen sites that would lend themselves to that type of development um, get brought to me actually by, by people I've dealt with. It's uh, becoming more of a realistic goal in sort of like the next three to five years than a possible pipe dream that I thought it was initially. Fantastic. And is, is that what you
0: meant when you said your goals have started to drift slightly or are you starting to get distracted by the, the
1: shiny pennies that are cropping up now? No, it, it's, it's, I've just become aware of uh, probably things that are more achievable than I initially thought they were. So I guess um,
0: an evolution of the way that you're thinking rather than getting distracted.
1: Yeah, there is that, yeah. I did sort of mid midway through the year, I got a little bit distracted because I got a bit uh, um, distracted by needing to get that the income up. So I started having a little look around for HMOs and stuff like that. And then sort of after about, three or four weeks of looking Um i then got back on track and was just focusing i was just like look focus on more on what you know rather than going out of your remit if you know what i mean um yeah so i did had a sort of mid mid-year wobble mid-year crisis uh, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah that's probably the best way to put it okay and but firmly back on
0: track now i guess the the hmo lure is is very appealing to a lot of people and it does it does distract a lot of people but I think what I liked and I've always admired about your approach and your goals is that you've come at it from a different angle. You are not chasing, or you weren't maybe maybe slightly in the middle of the year, but you're not typically chasing the the kind of latest trend that everyone else is trying to do. You're sticking to the knowledge that you've got from your family construction business. You're doing things slightly differently. I really liked when you mentioned at the mid-year point this desire to do some affordable housing, and I'm glad that you've come back to that because... As as lucrative as the HMO market is, as you well know, and it's the area that everyone seems to want to be operating in at the moment. So I I like the fact that you were doing something different, and I'm glad to see that you've come back to that. But to to give us a a wrap up of the year, then you've you've told us what you wanted to achieve at the start of the year. I guess you said that was a three year goal um, to get to the eight grand a month. You said you wanted to get kind of in excess of a hundred grand per year. It boosts to your cash pot in order to get there. So we're now in January 2017. How did the year end for you? Did you achieve everything that you wanted to?
1: On on paper, I definitely have achieved everything uh, I set out to at the beginning of the year. And more, to be honest, um, it, it's just sort of realizing the, the assets you've got down on paper into cash, I suppose. Um, the new build that I've been doing sort of throughout the year, that's coming towards an end. It's just at a stage where we're waiting for the, the decorator uh to to come and finish the decorating off um it's on the market it'll be going on right move towards the end towards the end of this week i think it said maybe early next week um that's going to give us a nice prof- profit approaching 100,000 um which near enough mops up the target i set at the beginning of the year we've also we also sort of midway through the year secured um a piece of land with some barns on under an option agreement that's currently in a planning at the moment we' due to hear in a couple of weeks how how that's gone if if we get the planning we've applied for there's a potential one hundred k planning gain on that although we our goal is to develop the site out and not sell it on but looking for this that
0: that that was sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you there, but in terms of contributions towards this year's goal I remember as was discussing that earlier in the year thinking that the planning gain alone is going to add significantly and when we added that to the potential profit from the new build you were at you know close to 200 grand if not more compared to the 140 that you wanted to so although it's not cash in the bank, You've added that value to a property that's going to take you a couple of years, probably to take from start to finish. So you can you can allocate some of the profit that you've achieved through the planning game to your success for this year.
1: Yeah, definitely. It, unfortunately, with development, that's the way it works. It's it's sort of a more of a long game, a slow burn process, as they say. It's it takes it can take a well two two or three years sometimes to realise your actual. Uh, you, your gains but definitely you definitely allocate some of that gain i've made with the band development to this year because i have been working working hard on that that project um to get the planning sorted out for it so yes definitely and
0: remind me then so we've got we've got the two projects there we've got the new build let's start with that because that's the one that we had at the start of the year and it's closest to completion now that was a, a plot of land that was a garden once upon a time right so the land was effectively free
1: yeah, it's I'd, I'd bought an old derelict cottage um, that needed a complete, completely gutting. It was like back to stone, joists out, that type of project. And with it became a really large side garden. So we, we put in for planning to, get a, to build a new three-bedroom detached house in the garden. I mentioned on previous episodes the sort of bit of trauma we had getting the planning. It was sort of a thir- 13 to 14-month process. Um, but we eventually got that. And I started building that that property. Uh, I think it was sort of May, May, June time this, uh, last year. Um, and we're sort of at the end of that process now, just finalising the decorating and stuff. So yeah, it's it's gone as a whole. It's gone relatively smoothly. Um, as with anything, as you know, doing all the renovations and everything you've done in the past, nothing ever goes perfectly smoothly. But it's it uh, would be no fun if it did. Oh no! It'd be, if it was that easy, everyone would do it, <laughs> wouldn't they? As everyone says, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I'll, been a good project.
0: Yeah, it has, and it's been good fun to watch it come along on on Facebook on the posts that you've been sharing. I've got the floor plans in front of me now, and I will put these in the show notes just to show people what you have achieved. Because, well, as you say, it's a it's a three bed. It's you know the the master suite in there is is a pretty good size. You've got a nice living space downstairs with separate utility room and all sorts of stuff. It is a great family home. It's not a new build Barrett box by any stretch. It's you know a spacious great place for a family to you know grow up and enjoy living. And it, it's nice to see that you've uh, you've been able to achieve this. And what really surprises me i suppose about this is the cost that you've been able to build it for we've spoken about it before but just for those who haven't listened to the previous episode remind me the build cost on this
1: yeah we've managed to build it for around 800 pound per square meter which it brings us out at like eighty 000 um i got some some financial costs on top of that and a, a few professional fees but we're going to have built it for around 100k by the time it's well just under hundred thousand hundred thousand by the time we're finished um i think i think being able to build it for that price has come on the back of sort of the background i've got and the contacts i've got with we've, we've been been able to uh, negotiate very good rates on materials because obviously day to day we're buying materials in very large quantities so we've been able to for that development we've been able to get pretty much best prices on them so yeah we've uh i think we've done well to build it for that that price and i'm quite happy with how it's gone yeah no
0: i think it's a great achievement we we'd said that you know for joe blogs it doesn't have the contacts that you've got you'd probably be looking closer to a thousand pounds maybe even a little bit more per square meter to build something like this so that's that's a great achievement in itself and as you said you know maybe a little bit shy of 100 grand build cost sale price of two hundred thousand pounds you're going to make 100 grand there or thereabouts on this one deal, which is fantastic for what was effectively a big garden on the side of another project that you had.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's definitely been a, w- a good project um, and more than happy with how it's gone. Yeah, and I think something that's worth
0: people looking out for as well, you're often looking at the building rather than what is around it. And a lot of these you know, even some end terraces have got large gardens to the side of them. Big semi-detached corner plots—you can get another house on. You never know what you'll be able to squeeze in, and it's sometimes difficult to tell from right move I often think that you know, even even if it's on the brink of being a decent deal, having a look on Google Maps in a bit more detail, as Richard Little suggested, you know, you can get a lot of information from that, or just go and do a viewing. You never know what you're going to find. Some uh, some extra angle that you'd maybe miss if you just were quickly browsing through Rightmove and. You know, Great deal for you, great contribution towards your goal of 140 grand this year. The second thing that we were talking about is obviously this um, plot with the barns on it that you've got your option agreement on. That's not a straightforward process in itself. So talk me through the, the negotiation side of things with that. How are you able to secure a deal on an option that is subject to you getting planning? You've effectively got very little risk if you don't get planning, you can walk away from it. You've spent the money on the planning permission, maybe some professional fees. But other than that, it's a pretty, uh, pretty much a no-brainer for you.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I hate to use the term because you hear it bandied around a bit because it's, it's definitely a sort of win-win for both parties because the vendors uh, wanted to sell. They didn't have the funds to go through the planning process, uh, which sort of put us in a strong position with negotiating the option um, as a little caveat, they wanted us, because it's like an old farmyard, they wanted us to lease the farmyard uh, off them while we are going through the uh, the option process. Um, and just to be clear, this isn't the term a lease option. We've got a separate option, and the lease for leasing the land is a completely separate document, which was uh, the, the legal team that draft, drafted up the option for me advised me on this because they were saying if he, if the two was combined in this case there'd be potential for them to get out of the option if they could um, prove that we had uh, voided the tenancy or gone against some terms in the tenancy so we, uh, we've we got a basic standard option the same as your Barrett's homes and all them, them type of people use but we've also agreed to, to rent the farmland off them while we're going through the process which is it's for a nominal fee um, and we got a two-year option on it. Uh, that was basically sort of how I found out about that. I'd sort of driven past the, pla- the place n- numerous times. I just land registered, it, found out who owned it, sent them a letter, they got in touch, and then a the good negotiation started from there. It, it was quite a long, drawn-out process because it's, um, it's owned by a trust with a number of trustees, so it was always... I was dealing with one person, then he had to go back to the trustees and get their opinion on it. So there's quite a lot of to in and fro in, but at the end of the day, I think it's going to be worthwhile, all the effort we did put in at the early stages.
0: Fantastic. And yeah, that's, that's an interesting point as well on the planning, because as you said, the planning on your first build took 13 months, which was obviously not intentional. There were some problems that came up there and it took a lot longer than you expected it to this one you've tried to i guess flip that on its head spend more time in the planning of the planning application so that once you actually get it submitted there should be less objections less problems and the actual application should go through a lot quicker
1: yeah definitely i I employed a planning consultant on this one i think i mentioned him last last time jamie piper Um, and he's been absolutely brilliant yes it's taken a lot longer than i anticipated getting the application ready but it was sort of a case of, right, let's get all the arguments out of the way now. Let's find out what the objections are. Let's address them now. Let's get all the reports that they could possibly ask for ready now. We get And then get, get everything all ready, all the I's dotted, the T's crossed, and then submit the application and hopefully get no objections and it'll sail through type of, th- of approach. And today, touch wood, that's what's happening, all the sort of, people that have to consult are coming back in favour of it. And uh, I think we've got sort of two or three weeks until decision date. So, like I say, touch wood, it should all go through a lot smoother than uh, the previous application. Fantastic. And I guess when we look at that, that is one big
0: learning that you took away from the first project was that things take longer and it sounds as though you have made real steps to Make sure you don't face the same issues on the second project. I'm sure on the third one, the planning will be even smoother still. But when you look at the big picture of 2016, as well as that one
1: particular lesson, what would you say have been some of the biggest contributors to your success? It's definitely learning from that first one about not being so gung-ho on the planning. And I've, uh, As I've been looking at other deals and looking at planning, you can potentially devalue with a site if you don't get the right planning on it so it's definitely worth taking a bit of time and ensuring that you are applying for the best possible planning for that site so what, um,
0: what do you mean by that you could devalue a site if you don't get the right planning uh,
1: uh for argument's sake one site very close to me the councils it's a piece of council land that they're wanting to sell it's around about an acre and they thought they would get an easier sell if they went through planning um so they're put in for planning for 10 dwellings i think 10 detached dwellings on this piece of land uh, uh they've got quite a few objections and it seemed just to get them through the planning they agreed for it to be 10 bungalows rather than 10 houses and that piece of land's now been set on the market four years where if they'd had it as a piece of land with no planning and agreed would agree to say a subject to planning deal which that the council do because they've done it on a number of other sites and a, a developer would have come in with all the right consultants and they may have got a different planning on it not saying that they won't be able to go back to planning and change the planning but the planning as it is that piece of land is worth less than it possibly would have been yeah i i get you it's
0: almost um you hear the advice if you're an auction trader that you should almost make your property worse before you put it into auction because it will attract people who have that uh, they're looking for things that they can add value to. Like you say, the wrong planning could often be better than no planning. Had that not had, it, I guess with with the planning for bungalows, it almost limits people's thinking to what is possible on that piece of land. Whereas if it was just a piece of land with nothing at all on it, they can envisage whatever they want and they can get their own consultants to say whether or not they think it's right. So it's it's not putting ideas in people's head, it's not kind of giving them limitations on what they can create. So yeah, no, I, I totally get that. And it's uh not something I'd come across before. So interesting to hear that. Um and so you you feel like uh that has been something that you will take into the future as you go into to more developments. What else has been a big a big lesson for you this year. What else has helped you to... Because let's be honest, Dan, getting to 100 plus thousand pounds on one deal, getting to 100,000 pounds planning gain on another deal, that's no mean feat in a year. I know you've got a construction background, but it's predominantly commercial stuff. So doing that in the residential world in your first kind of 18 months or so of focusing on it is
1: is a pretty big achievement. What, what else has enabled you to get there? Well, one, one of the sort of biggest lessons I've learned this year, um, like, like I said, that project has gone relatively smoothly, but there has been one or two hiccups. And there, there's a sort of saying you hear bandied around a lot saying, outsource to experts. You don't have to do everything, that type of thing. And one thing I've learned is that no one's going to value your project any more than you are. And the book stops with you and you, you've got to be driving the project on all the time and checking up on people which sort of midway through the year when I was having that little bit of wobble I did let things slide a little bit and then you, you you get to a point where you're like thinking well they're the expert as people call them they're just going to get on and do do what they said they're going to do but like I say the book stops with you and you've got to keep making sure that you are driving them on and just checking in with them and that Don't get me wrong. I've had some very good people working for me, and like when I check in on them, they are actually doing what they should be supposed to be doing. Or sometimes I've like scheduled, thinking right, I'll I'll ring Jamie on Friday uh, just to check how it's going, and he ends up ringing me up on the Thursday. But uh, do you know do you know what I mean? With the builder, I had I didn't really need to check up on him. I'd get there and he'd be like, oh yeah, I've done this, done that, done this. Um, It's just little things like that, but you would get um say hang the big one i've had which i described just before we came on air was uh the one with angling water i've organized a, a a water connection i think that's all all done and dusted the water's connected but you have to go back to them to tell them to come and put a water meter in to make your connection live so it's just uh just little things like that that i've learned uh throughout the course of the year just to keep on top of things um I definitely think the construction background I've got helped me. Like I say, I've got the contacts I've got with trades and buying materials and things like that. Um, relationships I've built up with people sort of like uh, Richard Little and Daniel Hillman, people like that, where I can just interact with those. Uh, being part of your mastermind groups really helped. Um, well, if you've got an issue and you can just post it on Facebook and you you can get six six answers within the space of sort of 30 minutes or six opinions, uh, which can help you sort of form form a uh, form a decision on where to go with things. So it's definitely been a bit been a year of learning.
0: And you you mentioned earlier that you were able to get some good prices as a result of your uh, your construction company. In terms of these relationships that you've built, you said that. Um, you know some of your builders your trades and your planning consultant have been a great help to you did they come from the commercial side of things as well I guess they're more kind of residential based so how did you go about finding good people rather than ending up with some uh, some rather dodgy trades that a lot of us end up with
1: Uh, well the builder that I used I've used him previously before on a renovation project and when I built a house ten years ago. Actually, he built that. So, so I knew I knew him personally. Um, we've been to rugby dinners and, th- and been to the races and stuff in the past. So, so I know him on a personal level. He's done work for Overhaul before. Um, so I knew him. The trades. Um, it was a mix of ones I knew through uh, I've done work for Overhaul, and ones that my builder knew. And I found that going through my builder to the trade, um, it seemed to get me a little bit better result. That there was a, a lot more punctu- punctual. I sort of put the builder in between me and the trade. So he was barking at, at the trades to come and get the work done, um, which seemed to work really well. Uh, the planning consultant I met at uh, a pin meeting in Hull. Um, just It was just a case of you get your 30 seconds to speak and, I happened to be looking for a planning consultant that week and asked, does anyone know a good planning consultant? And, and Jamie just happened to be there. Uh, so that's sort of how I've met those and made those connections, which have been very useful. And I think are going to be even more useful going forward this year and into next. Just simple
0: networking tips, really nothing groundbreaking there, but it's, you know, something that people often overlook so They they, they kind of get in their little cave and they say, oh, you know, there's no point going to these meetings. Everyone's It's always the same people there. It's never anyone new. I never learn anything. But, you know, you never know who you're going to bump into. Fate has a funny way of introducing you to a planning consultant if you need a planning consultant. And unless you get out there and actually put the effort into building these relationships and these networks, you'll never get anywhere. So, no, it's, it's nice to hear some good, positive stuff coming out of that. What I, um, I guess, want to discuss to wrap up then, Ant, is in terms of looking forwards, this was always a bit of a three-year goal. What does 2017 and the years beyond that hold for you in the the residential property world?
1: Well, with with a bit of luck, we'll be developing out this site with the barns that we've got for planning at the moment. In addition to that, I've also agreed another option agreement on two more barns. One of the barns has got a, a large paddock with it, which would be quite saleable if that that deal comes off. There's also an option agreed on a piece of land uh, that's sort of, it's large enough to get five detached houses on, we think. It's currently out of the uh, development uh, limit of the village. So uh, we've, we've negotiated a five-year option on that because uh, we know the local authorities having a call for sites Um early this year so we're hoping to put that one forward if we can get the paperwork uh, sorted out in time those two deals have been agreed they're just going to to the legal teams to sort out and on the the option i sorted out last time that i think that took about six, six to eight weeks uh for the legal teams going backwards and forwards uh so hopefully a couple of months that one will be all tied up um i'm also in the just looking at uh, another potential title split, very similar to the one I've just done now. Um, I said I had a sort of mid-year wobble where I got focusing on HMOs. And then then once I'd got over that, I was like thinking, well, look, just do what you know. So I thought if I could find something similar to what I've done this year, if I could do one of those a year, then it's why have a load of HMOs if you could just do one of those a year. And I've got a potential investor who might be interested in doing one of those with me so i've i went to look at one last saturday i've just been doing the numbers on it i've uh, i've sent it across to my planning consultant just to get his his sort of initial thoughts on it to see if it would be a goer to do what i think we could do on it um and then once i can hear back from him i'll probably book another view in if it comes back positive from what he says if not then i'll get out there and try and find another one Fantastic. So
0: in terms of the financials behind some of these then I guess the one that is most likely to go ahead or certainly closest to going ahead is the the land with the barns on it. Financially, have you got an idea? You said you're thinking you're gonna make about a hundred thousand pounds just by getting planning gain on it. What about if you actually do the build out? What's the projected profits on a deal like that?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's around three hundred and fifty K if we build it out. Um, that's an addition to the 100k planning in,
0: or would that be combined? yes
1: yeah, it'd be combined. That okay? Be combined. Still a hefty profit though. Yeah, yeah. I've not got the numbers directly in front of me, so I, I am pulling that one a bit off the top of my head. Um, yeah, it's that's just on. Yeah, the 350 is just on the bands because there's three bands. And there's also a new build. And when we put the plan together, the initial idea would be to build the barns out, sell those, and I would keep the plot for the new build and build my own home. So i would not—that's not included in the 350. So it'd be 350 plus a plot plot of land.
0: Fantastic. So similar to uh, the plot of land that you got previously, that you're you're going to make your 100 grand on. This fits nicely into the longer term plan of building that dream family home for you as well. I like it. all of these all of these deals that you're working on. Have lots of angles, which is cool and in terms of the time frame for that how long do you expect once you've got planning for the the barns to take
1: i ideally I'd, I'd like to do it in 12 months but i think sort of 18 months is probably a bit more realistic okay. um, but even if you add in that go ahead i, I was just going to say what once the planning's been secured we're going to start getting some cgis and things done like that and get some some packs put together to sort of try and start marketing them very early because if we can get if we could get some interest in uh, people purchasing them early on, then we can like go at full steam ahead on the bands.
0: Sure. That makes sense. And and even if you consider the the planning time that it has taken, I think it was round about summer that you'd kind of started to work on that. So say 18 months, maybe 24 for a 300 350 grand profit, it's still, you know, that alone would give you the 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 contribution that you need for the next two years of your goal. You've got other deals in the pipeline as well. And it sounds as though without a huge amount of uh, difficulty, certainly a lot of hard work, but you, you've got a good pipeline there that should make you achieve your goals by uh, by the end of what's that going to be, two thousand and eighteen?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's everything's looking on track at the minute. Um, like I say, it's, it's good to have a. You need a pipeline of deals because you can sort of see by the ones I've been doing this year how much time they actually take. Um, I think a lot of people underestimate the planning how long planning takes to sort out. Like I think we said in the first episode when I was describing the nightmare I'd had previously, I'd vastly underestimated how long planning can take to sort out. So yeah, you've got to have a good good pipeline of deals going forward when you're into development. Good stuff. Well, it's, I guess, a
0: good tip for us to end on. Probably two there. Everything takes longer than you think and make sure you've got that, that pipeline set up. Other than that, with uh, twelve months on in, in your journey, any other pieces of wisdom that you wish you knew at the start of the year, or do you feel like you've, uh, I guess you're 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 in a good position with everyone around you to get the advice you need when you need it? What would you leave our audience with if they're looking to get into the the development, the new build side of things?
1: I think what I'll just say is just especially at the early stages when you're just setting out is um, you hear these sort of the sort of gurus and mentors. Like I said before, they seem to want to preach this outsource to experts seems to be a big phrase at the minute. But when you're just starting out, you really need to take control of everything. I mean, you know, you know yourself when you've done, been doing renovations, you've done the strip out and I've seen pictures of your painting and stuff like that. Yeah, they're not the jobs that you want to do going forward. But in the early stages, you may have to do jobs like that and you do need to keep a check on everyone. Um, I I've, mean, I've, I've met people at networking events, and they're trying to get into developing. And you, and you ask them how often they go to site, and they, they don't even go once a month. And you, and then they wonder why they're having problems and things aren't getting done on time. At the end of the day, the book stops with you, and you need to take responsibility because nobody is going to have more interest in your project than you are. And yes, this outsource to experts is. is a brilliant saying and that's probably where i want to get to long term but de- definitely in the initial stages you need to be the one that's taking full responsibility yeah i love that it's, it's, it's very
0: true and a, a nice point for us to to wrap up on and hopefully people will take heed of that advice now finally just before we do end the interview and I'm sure people will be interested in seeing the developments you've been working on. I'll post some pictures and some floor plans and things like that on the show notes page for people to get an idea. But if they want to follow your journey
1: going forwards, how can they see what you're up to? How can they get in touch with you? Uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Anthony Hubbard, hub on Twitter and Instagram. If they want to drop me an email, it's anth. Dot Hubbard at Overhaul, uh, so you can get me on most social networks or you can drop me an email.
0: Fantastic. Well, as usual, I'll make sure we've got the links to all of them up on the show notes page as well. And it has been a pleasure speaking to you over the course of 2016. As with everyone else, I feel like there's been a real connection formed and I'm in touch with all of you on a fairly constant basis now, always picking your brains for advice. I'm delighted that we, we did this. I'm looking forward to doing something similar in 2017 we will have the the first installment of our 2017 goal series coming out next week um so hopefully everyone is looking forward to that with some new guests about to embark on 12 months of exciting property investing but and once again thank you so much for joining us not once but three times this year i wish you all the success for the future and i'm sure we will catch up again in the not too distant future on the podcast thanks a lot Mike. all the best we've just added the exact workflow that we use for new tenancy applications to our property investing toolkit, covering everything that you need to do to ensure your tenancy is set up for success and fully compliant with all legal requirements. Access this new tenancy workflow and much more at InsidePropertyInvesting.com forward slash toolkit.